rest of the world's greatest, the best of the best, the cream of the crop can learn the best, tips from the top, and when you're done, come join the family, come join the team, come join the family, it's music, jobs, and it's D-Y-E, come join the family, come join the team, come join the family, it's music, jobs, and Right, we're here with legendary, legendary promoter Terry Turbo Stone, who has been away from the drum and bass scene for a while, acting and making films, but he's back with a documentary about his One Nation event. It's called United Nation Three Decades of Drum and Bass. It's directed and produced by Terry and Richard Turner, and it has a, uh, a whole section of raw original archive content and tell it all interviews from DJs and MCs, such as DJ Fresh, Sigma, Hype, The Ragged Twins, Nicky Black Market. DJ Brocky, Rat Pack, and many more. Terry, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Thank you for coming in. Thanks Thank for, you for coming, coming in. Terry. We're very excited. We, we we watched the film this morning. Oh, great. Oh, we were texting yeah. each other. We were like, oh my God, oh, did you see this bit? Did you God. see this bit? It's the, so good. Yeah, Every, everybody, I, Everybody's favourite um, bit is the fat man. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> he was livid. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what? Putting my hands up, I did, did, did do it on purpose. Well, I, I had a um, feeling you did. <laughs> I mean, we got a feel for your character pretty straight away. <laughs> like, I thought he, he, he likes a joke. This one's but now every, what it was. Everyone used to call him Fat Mandy, and uh, um, but he didn't know. And then someone said to me, "Oh, you know, it'd be funny if if there was a typo on the fly." And I said, "Well, I might just do it just for laugh." I've got to say, one of my absolute highlights was uh, Queen walking in. Brilliant. That would you, was. Would you, would you, know, do you know something? We're, back then, obviously, there was no social media, so um, we had to do things to make people talk and. Having the Queen look alike, we had Prince Charles. We didn't have Prince Andrew. You. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good bit of foresight. Um, but, on your but, then, part. but then we had Harry, we had Wills, we had Prince Charles, we had Ali G, we had Posh and Bex. We used to just do this mad shit. And then what, what would happen is they'd like pop up in the rave. And, and, and Fabio even said to me, he said, I was DJing. And I looked up and I was like, that's fucking David Beckham. <laughs> <laughs> posh pies. and then Groove come yeah. and he goes Groove he goes that from Posh and Bex right over there and he goes they look alike bruv that's not the real well, the thing about the Queen moment was it was so well staged there was you outside you had the car pull up you had security she gets out an incredibly yeah, like, she was convincing, convincing look alike and then no, she's she, having a little rave a, with the dancers it was a brilliant actress that, yeah. That, that, yeah. that took off the queen so she'd actually go up places and open up things and be like hello <laughs> so we, and so you know we were the only uh, drum and bass promoter that had the uh, royal stamp you know yeah. like Harris you have the little thing above the door you know <laughs> <laughs> little seal of approval but she but she, I mean I feel sorry for, I, I mean I don't feel sorry for her but I did feel sorry for her tonight because you know she got this book in two in the morning and you think she, she's she got to be 70 right <laughs> so, so, you, so, so you're this you're this you're this sort of well to do and she was well to do right this mm. well to do lady taking off the queen she's got all the, the regalia on she's picked up by a driver in the bentley and she's got to go out of stratford at two in the morning <laughs> and she must have got out the got out the got out the the the, the, the bentley and thought what the fuck is you know, like queues of people all, all looking at her with these big eyes yeah, like yeah. what the well, fuck's going so on so can i just say that's what's so brilliant about a lot of the scenes that are, are in the film obviously there's a lot of archive footage unseen footage from the club nights that you ran yeah. but it's the way you capture the dancers and the people that are enjoying themselves because oh, yeah. everyone's got that like very happy <laughs> face and when the queen gets out of the car and the camera just pans along that row of people you look at them, like, it's amazing the their eyes are like oh my god it's her it's her what's she doing here the, be the best, the best one was we, we obviously did the bit on the stage but when yeah. we actually walked around the crowd what was funny is I said to her I said look 
we're going to surround you. So no one's going to, you know, grab you or push you over or anything. So you'll be safe. But we just want you to walk up to people and we'll give you the nudge which one to do it to. So we walked around the club on the dance floor. Anybody who looked fucking like they was off their face, we go, him. Right? <laughs> she'd like tap him on the shoulder. And you'd see the guy be on the dance floor, be like, and he'd look around and he'd see the queen, he'd be like, uh. <laughs> and then she'd give him a CD and he'd have the CD and he'd be going, and he'd go to his mate, he'd go to his mate and go, go to fucking Queens over there. Oh my and the God. And be like, what, don't do any more, you've had enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're tripping. <laughs> But then we did it about ten or twenty people. But then, but then we got her up on stage. Yeah. Stopped the music, and then she did a little speech. So yeah. everybody left there kind of fucking. And DJs would be going, "Did the Queen really go?" Because because obviously. Well, some of them that. said it in the VTs. They yeah. were like, "I thought it was the Queen. I was behind the decks." And I, I turned around, and all of a sudden, because yeah. you hadn't told them. Obviously, I guess as well because you're like scheduling the acts and the DJs. They come in guess to do what? their set. Guess what? I didn't tell anybody. You didn't tell right. anyone. So no, so one, so no knew one knew what the fuck was going on. So when she turned That's up, it was like. Is that the queen? <laughs> was she doing it? But King she, of the PR yeah, stuff. I've got to say, I wish I'd stayed in touch with her because she was brilliant. She was funny. Yeah. She got into it. She was dancing on the stage. Oh, it was great. <laughs> it was great. Um, I mean, you just couldn't buy that, you know? No, absolutely. Oh, I mean, it's a different time. Also, when you first started doing One Nation, so we want to start sort of the beginning of how right. you got into it all. Yeah. Um, because you, you had no experience in clubs or promotion at no. all, had you? And then you just suddenly discovered raving. My, my, whole, my whole life has, has, has been sort of an anomaly because w- w- I left school with no qualifications. I was an academ- academic. I lived on a council estate. I had nothing, right? And um, I, I sort of landed on my feet. I got a good job. And then the recession came in 88, lost the house. Everything just went to shit. And then I was sort of like bumming around. I was boxing. I was running. And I, I was sort of a bit like... You know, and my my nights out would be going to a Sharon and Tracy nightclub, as they were called then, and that well, there was one in Camberley called Ragamuffins, and it literally had the sticky carpet, yeah. and you know you you get your best outfit on, and you'd be waiting for the erection section, <laughs> and it would be it'd be Luther Vandross songs, of course. Um, you know, isn't that what your oh mate sang God. to your now wife That's as right, well, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, Anything that was, you know, uh, any love songs, they do like five or six love songs and you walk up to the girls, you know, hey, do you want to dance? You know? um, and, and the night ended up in a fight, a kebab, yeah. or or getting laid. So if, yeah. if, if you had all three, you had a fantastic... I grew up in Essex. I know it well. I know it well. So so I've come from... So I'm, I'm, I'm this 18-year-old on the council estate. I've lost everything. I'm on the dole. And that's my idea of a good night out. Right? Yeah. And then people start going about this rave thing. You got to go, you know, it's all this, it's all that. And I'm like, I'm not going there. There's people fucking taking drugs, no interest. And then I eventually, after months of my friends nagging me, went, right? So I've gone to this rave and I walk in the door and straight away, everyone's friendly. Mm. Everyone's your mate. Mm. Yeah. Hello, mate. How you doing? Let's all have a dance. Girls are coming up. Can I give you some massage? Come on. <laughs> and all that. And you're just like fucking out, like you know. Just so not. G- it's so different. All the girls yeah. are cracking onto me, right? <laughs> all the guys want to be my friend. Yeah. No one wants to have a fight. <laughs> the music's great, and I just thought this is fucking unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> long story short, um, that then made me think I really want to go. You know, this is where I want to be. Yeah, right? yeah. Because if it's that thing where. If you've never, if you've gone from that to that, it's like, why have I pushed back on this for so long? I should have gone years ago. You well, know, I mean, because we're all guilty of reading the headlines. Yeah, because you, you know read what I mean. It and you think, oh, yeah. people are going to die and yeah, ecstasy's evil. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. We're scaremongered into not enjoying ourselves. It's mm-hmm. the, it's a very British thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 what happened then was um, a friend of mine treated me because I didn't have any money, and 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 I was thinking, 
I'm getting forty pound every two weeks. That was a dull then. Mm. You know, it's twenty five pound to get in. How am I going to fucking fund this? I need to, you know, I had the bug, right? Yeah. Um, and then someone said, "Look, you know, when I come out of this road, there's always people giving flyers out." So I said to one of the guys, "I said, Do you get paid for this?" He went, "Yeah." He said, "Work for a company called the Flying Squad." So I said, "You got any jobs?" He went, "He went, yeah, bring this guy." So I phoned the guy up, and I used to travel twenty five, thirty fellas. You know what I mean? We all like had a little click of mates and stuff, and um, literally, I said. You know, I've got 25, 30 mates who are flyer, right? Can you get them in the clubs for free? Mm. Absolutely. So then I bring all my mates up and say, listen, guys, you can all get in the clubs for free. VIP on me. But the caveat <laughs> is, the caveat is you come out and you give out the flyers yeah. that I'm going to get paid for, but you're all saving 25. Oh, free. so they, they won't even get the money. You were no, getting no, the money. No, no, oh, yeah. That was a deal. I said, I said I'm going to you. get them in and you uh, keep the cash. You have, yeah, so yeah, yeah, they makes were sense. Like, that's a fair trade. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And they, they like walking walking up the queue going, we're with Terry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just like a squad of 30 throwing leaflets and flyers. So I've gone from 40 quid every two weeks to having 250 to 300 pound a night, depending on how many of us it was. Oh, wow. And bear in mind, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? So you go out Thursday, you come back Monday, right? So that was what it was like. So, yeah. so I, I'm going out four nights a week, I'm getting in free, I'm earning a grand a week, and I'm thinking, this is fucking great. And then, <laughs> and then, and so then I started to, you know, accumulate a bit of money and things were good. And I looked, I remember looking at the flyers, and again, I think some of this is to do with, being hungry and also, you know, obviously I had some sort of entrepreneurial thing in me. I didn't realise. But then I started thinking, well, nobody's selling tickets in Surrey where I live. Mm. So I then rang all the promoters up. And bear in mind, I don't know if you went out back in the day, but you get 50 flyers. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, you get bombarded with them. Mm -hmm. So I rang every promoter up. I'm Terry. I live in Surrey. You ain't got a ticket towel. Do you want me to sell you tickets? <laughs> yeah, why not? Put me on the back of the flyer. <clears throat> so, again, you get a 10% markup on a ticket. So... The tickets are twenty five pound. Some events I sell a thousand tickets for. Yeah. Mm. So straight away you were I'm, making a lump sum. Well, I get, I get up to like two and a half, three, four grand a week, and I'm thinking I'm earning big money now. Bloody and hell. then I sort of got to the point where I put a deposit down on a house, and you know life's good. Got a car, and then um, uh, I, I come up with an idea to do a magazine because I thought no one's really done a rave mag. There was rave magazines, but they were all very serious, right? And I thought, I want to do like a viz, right? <laughs> so we we'd interview, like I had a fallout with one of the DJs and he was called Loft Groover. And I just thought, actually, I'm going to send him up now. So I got a Hoover <laughs> with a hat and one of them dreadlock wigs thing and put it on the Hoover. And I did an interview with Lost Hoover. <laughs> so, so it was just stupid shit, stupid shit, stupid yeah, shit. But stuff that people um, love and laugh up. My mum was the agony aunt. Yeah, oh, like, oh, amazing. Auntie Trisha. Oh, wicked. Um, <laughs> We had the mate in the state page. Oh, <laughs> which I mean, for that page. it's the documentary is thoroughly entertaining from start to finish, but Thank there you. is that section, <laughs> which is like because now people share memes, you know, but back yeah. in the day when you're doing the magazine, as you were saying, people have to send the pictures in, they have to actually physically take the pictures, get I, them. I, I just printed. would love to have been that, that guy, that girl in boots looking at the pictures. Oh my going, god, oh my god, these people are fucked up. <laughs> I wonder how many people. <laughs> I wonder how many people in boots saw those pictures and were like, I need to get to a One Nation event. Yeah, like, yeah. Is that I, yeah. I can look like that. So, because the thing is, it all sort of started before it became uh, an official club night and you were selling out venues and stuff. There was the illegal raves going on all around, yeah. you know. So, yeah. I know it says in the documentary a little bit, there was like that secret kind of code thing where you were just waiting to hear where it was going to be and then you'd just jump in the car with your mates and get there. Yeah. Were you part of putting that together? No, no. I went no. to a couple of them, um, as I said, because that was my introduction to Right. Mm -hmm. that, so that was the first thing um, you'd <clears throat> to, yeah. But to be honest with you, I'm I'm not, 
I, I, when I actually started promoting, because what happened is the magazine went from this little sort of 16 page freebie yeah. thing outside raves into this 128 page full color magazine. Yeah, and it looked I'm great. Yeah. And I'm the editor, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm thinking, I think, you know. How the fuck did I get in? I really, wanted, I, really, I really wanted to go back to Collingwood in Camberley. And, and say, have any of the teachers here that used to teach me? <laughs> and I was just going to go, fuck you, right? Because they all, I actually looked at one of my school reports and they all said that I was basically going to be a bum. Yeah. And I'm going to end up in jail or, or, or on the dole. You know what I mean? I had no, no, zero career prospects. But obviously, That's you know. It's a really proof- important point in education. They don't really encourage people's like good assets. Because though you might not have been good academically, you obviously had qualities, like entrepreneurial right. qualities well, that I think, took, I think, taking you I, to where I think you are. I think the issue is, right? It, and this isn't. Um, playing the fucking hard luck card but you know if you live on a council estate and you have nothing and your mum and dad split up and you know money's tight and you don't have nice clothes and you just you do have you know a pretty shit upbringing when you actually do start getting stuff you appreciate more yeah, right? yeah absolutely. and the thing is I think as a kid um, you know I didn't have somebody saying stop being a fucking idiot work you know look at your things and I didn't have any guidance and I think mm. if I'd have had the guidance mm. because I love learning I love reading mm. I like doing stuff you know if, if but I have to be interested in it yeah, yeah right so but also so, you have to have people skills and that's so much more important the, the thing I find is people can be incredibly academic but cannot have a cannot relate to people mm. cannot get a team together cannot get people to be loyal and, right. and do it with a sense of humour and I think the thing that really struck me about your documentary was right. and also getting all these people back in people mm. that had worked with you was how fond they are of you you know yeah. and why and, yeah. and, and, and you were such the reason that they sort of kept coming back and being part of it and I think I think that's so important and it's something that people need to appreciate more as you're saying in education because right. people do go yeah. well if you're not getting the grades then you're not going to be anything well that's not true it's just well, not yeah. true well I, well I think I think the biggest thing from when I was at school was <clears throat> I don't I was in a big class right and mm. and obviously um, <clears throat> if you haven't got that sort of discipline at home and you haven't got someone saying have you done your homework you've got to study you've got to do good you do become a, the, the class joker. You do fuck yeah. around. And, yeah. and I think I was guilty of that. But it's survival um, tactics as but, well, isn't it? But, but also, but, but, it's, it's getting attention in another way, isn't it? Yeah, You're still yeah. being rewarded because yeah. kids are enjoying your you being who you are. Yeah, and really. your banter so, and all that. But, but, I think, but I think looking at that then, that was what was wrong with the tuition now and, and, and then. But the issue now I have with education, and, um, you know, I've got three kids, right? And they all go to different schools, right? So... And this is a generalisation, but it's probably true for every every you know classroom in the country. And they've got this thing now where they're teaching people it's okay to come last. It's the taking part that that, that mm. counts, and it doesn't matter if you're the bottom of the class. You know, at least you're doing the work. And it's all bullshit because <laughs> in the real world, right? If you don't fucking work and you don't achieve, then you're going to be a fucking bum. And that's the reality. Well, that's the problem. Yeah, there's a reward system now that's been put in place where even if you don't do particularly well or you don't try hard and that's, you know, shown up in your grades, you still get rewarded for it. So there's no... That that sort of dilutes um, the drive to to work a bit harder. I mean, what I I say to my kids, right, is I say to them all the same thing. I say, give it 100% and try and win. And if you don't win, it's not the end of the it world. It doesn't matter, yeah. right? Yeah. But if you don't try and win and you just cruise and you go, fuck it, I don't care. Yeah. yeah. That's when I get upset because I want them to have a go. Yeah. And look, yeah. I don't care if my son's the fastest or the quickest mm. or the smartest, as long as they give it 100%. Yeah. But yeah. that's what I think people should be being taught at school. And also, um, I was put in a box. I was told I was going to be a nobody, right? Yeah. And, and the issue is, right, I'm a definite 
case study that anybody can be anything mm. yeah. if they work hard and they put their mind to it. So mm. I, I think that's what they should be teaching the schools that, you know, you might not be the brightest, you might not be the kid that's got, you know, the A grades. Yeah. Right? You might yeah. not be in the running team at school. But there are other things to do but yeah. To, yeah. outside yeah. of that yeah. Yeah. that can make I your think, money and make you successful. I think that's actually what's really inspiring about your story because I think it's really easy to be successful when you do have that support network around you and I see it in my environment and I've seen it, you know, in other roles and places that I've mm. been. It's like, if you do have money around you, it's so much easier to make money. But if you come from an environment like yours, um, you don't really know where where to go. You don't really know what's the right path to choose. I and, think the, I think the issue with people with money is, and I've and I've found this um, through people that I know with money, and they all complain about it. They always go, <laughs> you know, my kids have gone to the best schools, and I've given them everything they want, but you know, they're not achieving and they're not putting the effort in. And the reason is, is it's really simple, is because. If you say to your son, you pass your test, have a Ferrari, yeah. here's a credit card, spend what you want, yeah. what do you want for Christmas? Go and knock yourself out, just pick whatever you want from Louis Vuitton. They're going to just think that's normal. Yeah. Right? And it's not normal. Yeah. So, and they don't understand how, like, the sense of achievement that one gets. Or the value of money. Really they don't understand. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. I want I want all my children to work. And and they see how hard I work. So mm. yeah. they know that I'm not a dosser. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And when they say, oh, Dad, you know, you're always working. You're always in America. You're always here. You're always there. I'm like, yeah, I might be doing that. But that's so that you can do what you want to do. Yeah, right? yeah. giving so, you that freedom. So I'm doing it for myself, but I'm also doing it for you because yeah. Yeah. if I do well, then you do well. But yeah. then you need to do your bit. So yeah. I always say to him, you know, if you don't do your bit, the Xbox goes away, <laughs> the phone goes away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it. appreciate it. <laughs> Strict daddy, that's what we but, like. um, but 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 going back to the 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 from the magazine. Yeah. I, mm. I had the flyers, I had the tickets, I had the magazine. <clears throat> and then it was like, someone just said to me, it was like a flippant comment. You got everything. Why are you promoting other people's stuff? Why don't you do your own thing? Yeah. And there was a song um, by, I think it's Funkadelic, One Nation Under a Groove. And I just thought that was all about if I promoted what I'd want to do. Mm. And I used to go to these events and I'd be picking up money because I'd do flyers for people, I'd be selling tickets. So you'd always be around promoters. And the, and the consistent thing that I sort of learned was a lot of them just don't give a fuck yeah. right, about mm. anything. They don't care about the ravers. Mm. They just think about money. Yeah. So yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to these events, people are getting mugged. Walk in, you know, people getting fucking mugged in your rave. Yeah, and? Mm. And I'm thinking, if that's my rave, I'd be fucking punching them up the fucking ass. I'd, yeah. I'd be taking them outside. <laughs> I wouldn't be standing there going, it's okay, you know, don't yeah. worry about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And then they scrimp. So, you know, they put on the flyers, we got a 100-watt sound system and it'd be a 20-watt sound mm. system. We got a 3D laser show. There'd just be one laser in the corner. And you f think, look, just because these people are taking drugs, they're not fucking stupid. They're not out of it for that yeah. long. No, so when, I, so when I started promoting, I went into it <clears throat> that my brand was about, you know, everybody can come. Yeah. It's not a white or a black thing. It's an everything. Yeah. Right? Mm. Everyone comes. Mm. Everyone behaves themselves. Everyone has a good time. No, there's no fucking shit. If you fuck around, then you know, you're, out. you're out. You're gone. Yeah. Right? Mm. And, then, and then on the flip side of that, um, you know, I was the best sound system, the best lights, the best lasers, the best dancers, <laughs> the best lineups, and everything had to be the top because yeah. I didn't want to just be another promoter that's mugging ravers off or not caring. And I think because of that, that's why the brand was successful. I mean, I went from doing one event every two months to 20 events a month at one point. Oh, and wow. And it's incredible, isn't it? Because you created a zeitgeist, which yeah. when you look at it now is not possible to replicate. What you did 
is so original. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you, you saw absolutely. you saw an opportunity to do it and do it properly, and build a family of of, of brilliant DJs, MCs. Because yeah. the whole MC thing as well. What well, I what I loved. It was also so natural the way he fell into it as well. Yeah, know? yeah, it, it wasn't cynical. Yeah. See, that's no, the other thing, it isn't like, it? Like, I tell what it was like, and I've always thought this. I've kind of gone along in life and I've and I've been I feel like I've been guided in the stuff mm. yeah. and I've obviously had good and bad experiences but <clears throat> you know I didn't know anything about promoting mm. but 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 you know I learn yeah right when I started acting, I didn't know anything about acting, but I learned. Yeah. When I started producing, I didn't know anything about producing films. But well, that moment in the documentary with your wife and the VT where she talks about how when you decided you'd given up the promotion stuff, you didn't want to do anymore, and then you moved into acting, she was like, he took it as seriously <laughs> as he did the last career, and off he went to his classes with his satchel, and oh, you could yeah. see how proud she was of you because obviously what struck me as well, and I, and I love the sort of uh, just how different you and your wife are and, yeah. and that she's included in it because I think it gives a really kind of well-rounded idea of who you are as a person right. and what is important to you and the fact that she was a part of that world and then she saw you achieving another massive goal you know it's a, it's a, you can see how proud she is in the documentary well, I've got and- a, a funny thing right and this mm. is actually a true statement about women right oh, oh. And, there, there and, is two in the and, room and, 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 <laughs> no no listen I'm sure you've got many female listeners but yeah. this is a fact right and it's really fucking annoying but women are normally always right oh yeah oh right? yeah and, okay, and, 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 the, and the, there's and the, a lot of happiness going and, on in here. And the thing is, my wife is annoyingly always right about stuff and it fucking winds me up, right? But on that one one occasion, she was wrong because she actually, I mean, she says, oh, it was because I was pregnant and my hormones were playing. But, <laughs> but I walked in the room and she was sat on the bed and she had this box of Maltesers on her bump and she was eating these things watching the TV. <laughs> and I said, babe, you know, you said to me about, you know, finding something to do and, you know, <laughs> You can't sit around and get you out from under my feet. (laughs) I've worked out what I'm going to do. I'm going to be an actor. And she literally spat her Maltesers out and she she said, Are you taking fucking drugs? (laughs) (laughs) And then she was like, You know, you're not Brad Pitt, you're 31 years of age. Don't be so fucking silly. Are you having a breakdown? Are you having a midlife crisis? I mean, this went on for like an hour. I like your wife. But in fairness, the way that you got her number and that you two met and everything else, she should have known that if you put your mind to it, you were going to achieve it. (laughs) You've kind of got that vibe. But but I think think the reality is, you know, when I started promoting, the, the reality is in my life, I've never had a massive amount of confidence, right? And mm. I've always been humble and I've always had my feet on the ground. And, and when I was doing the events, when I was giving the flies out, I thought, well, I'm going to do this for a couple of years, get a bit of money, then I'll get a proper job. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm doing tickets, I'm doing the magazine. Oh, it's only the last couple of years, I'll get a proper job. And if you speak to all the DJs, all the MCs, they all said the same thing. Yeah. They all thought it was only going to be a couple of years, a couple of years. Well, they also, yeah, they all say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, when I was promoting, I just, you know, there was moments when I thought, fucking hell, you know, this I've got another year of this and I'm, I'm done. Yeah. yeah. And it's the same with the acting. When the phone don't ring, you're thinking, fucking hell, you know, I made a real fucking mistake here. Yeah. And then when yeah. you produce a film and it doesn't work out, you think, oh, fuck, you know, am I going to be able to produce another film? So I think even though, you know, I do, I am positive and I do make things happen and I do graft, you do get kicked in the nuts regularly. Yeah. And when yeah. you get kicked in the nuts or, or pushed over or tripped over, whatever you want to call it, I think it's getting up and going again and not thinking, don't let it get you because, you know, D- Dyson, right, said a great quote. And he actually said, he said, I've invented, you know, 100,000 things and 99,999 <laughs> of them didn't work. Didn't and one sell. of them yeah. did. Yeah, right? and, and now look think, at me. Say, yeah. You think, well, actually, that's great advice because yeah, well, people fall over and give up. Well, they just but that's go, the problem, have, isn't it? You have to make mistakes, actually, you know. 
to, but, to not make mistakes, you have to make them, that, and I think that's that, really true. But we live in a world where now, because of Instagram and social media, mm. people only put out their They're best. They're interested in perfection only. Yeah, and they yeah. put out their best life, yeah. so you're not really seeing it happening. Whereas if people are more honest about it and go, look, we've all fallen on our faces, but you just get back up and you try yeah. it again and you see what happens. Well, you know, well, It's about how you treat people think, as well. It makes yeah. a big difference. I mean, they, they actually say failing isn't failing, it's learning. Yeah, it is, yeah, it completely. Is. And I think... I, think I that, mean, it's only failing if you don't learn from the mistakes, isn't yeah, it, really? But, yeah. but I, every time you fail... You learn something. If, yeah, you, if you're paying attention. Yeah. If you go, why did that fuck up? Well, I mean, I was going to say, like, navigating the world of uh, raves, nightclubs, putting on club nights, like, there is a lot to think about. People don't always notice. Oh, like, my I've, God. I've done a lot of event promotion. Yeah, and it's, I've worked in clubs. Wow, I know what it's like. It's, People, it's a lot. Uh, but you were having, like, thousands and thousands of people that you were taking Yeah, well, you well. think about all the security you had to manage. You had to book all the DJs. And obviously, as things become more popular and DJs become more popular, then rates go up. And mm. I thought it was really a really interesting moment in the film where you talk about um, the millennium and yeah. how because of that and because it was such a moment there was like rates were going through the roof and you wanted to make it the best party so you had to put the price of the tickets up which you weren't that keen on doing and it kind of imploded which is so often you see it you know what I mean like because things just become really popular and then they come a bit out of control Well, there's an old saying right hindsight's a wonderful thing Mm. and and I think I, I, you know in hindsight if I'd have been sensible I'd have just said not doing it Right, mm. yeah. and I should have walked away from it. That's what I should have done. Mm. But I think the issue is because of you know if you've gone from nothing to everything and everything you're doing is working, everything's sold out. You just print money, mm. right? That's what it was like. Yeah. And then someone's and you get every club in London going, please take my club on the Millennium. You're thinking, <laughs> fucking hell, you know we can lock London down. Yeah, of course. Right? Mm. And then on because paper, you think they know what they're talking about. Well, no, you know? no. <laughs> on paper, right? You looked at it and you thought, well, if we get this right, it's half a million quid for for, for a night's work, right? Lot of money, not bad. Lot of money, <laughs> right? So I'm thinking, fucking hell, you know, I've never earned that much money the night before, and I thought if I don't do it and someone else does it, I'll be kicking myself, saying, fucking hell, we should have done it. Mm. Yeah. But the issue was, um, again, all this shit of the Millennium Bug, all the pounds going to go off, you know, all this bollocks. Planes right? going to fall out the sky. Mm. Yeah. So, mm. so I literally had to, I had to get fucking generators in. They obviously was doubled the bubble. The mm. clubs wanted treble money. The DJ, everyone wanted treble money. Everyone's going, I want this and I want that. Mm. And and on the night, we we, we still got people out, mm. but we didn't have enough people to make any money and to pay people. So on the night, most people went, you know what? I ain't worked out. Just give me whatever you can afford, right? And then a couple of people, oh, my fucking 10 grand. It's like, well, why should I pay you 10 grand? Because that's how much we, I said, look, look around, right? I said, if you were worth fucking 10 grand, people would have paid to see you. They didn't pay to see you. Mm. So I can't pay you 10 grand. Mm. Well, if you don't pay me, I won't work for you again. I said, fine, go fuck yourself. So that was the dialogue I had with a couple of people and I didn't work with them again. Yeah. Right? Mm. But the thing is, <clears throat> if I'd been getting paid from somebody for seven years, and, and it's not like I book you once a month, I'm booking you fucking five, six times a month. Mm. right? Mm. So you're earning thousands of pounds a month from me, right? And I have one bad event and you, and you go, well... Just pay me what I normally get. Yeah. Not I want my ten grand or I want my two grand. Mm. And you just think, you know, those people, they're not your mates. Yeah. yeah they're not they're people not. that are along you with the journey. Because if it was the other way around and someone had had a bad night and gone, tell, can you help me out? I'd have gone, yeah. Of course you would, yeah. yeah Especially yeah. if you're giving me money yeah. every yeah. night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's <laughs> well, it. I, I mean, think, sorry, go on. No, sorry, I was going to say, this is one thing that really strikes me about the events that you were putting on and going back to what you were saying about the community and what you were saying, Matt, of all these people. Hmm. I think what really strikes me is that you were just you got into this because you were just having fun and you never saw it as a long-term career, but 
I mean, I think it's, I just have to say, I think what you was doing with your nights was really, really important because you said earlier, you made a comment on, you know, people of all cultures and colors were walking yeah. into your club, but that wasn't very common then, was it? No. It wasn't very no. common and the recession was happening and people weren't necessarily in a good way because there wasn't a lot of money. Well, so. I, think, I think a lot of the clubs got labeled, right? So if you went to that club or that event, it was, a, it was black, right? If you went to that one, it was white. Mm. That one's moody, that one's fun, that one's mixed. And I just thought, why fucking label it? You know what I mean? Mm. And I've always been into urban music. Right, so I thought I'm going to play urban music for the masses, mm. right? Mm. And it's not going to be a black thing or a white thing. It's going to be a unite thing, and that's really what why I did it. You know? Yeah, and mm. um, you know, we 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 obviously had problems with people because I think you know, but when you actually look at the scale of what we were doing, if you were entertaining say fifty or hundred thousand people a month, and you had twenty incidents where people were pulling guns or knives out, or someone got mugged or something happened, right? In the grand scheme of things, it was like 0.05%. Yeah, you know, definitely. So, and, and you couldn't... But that's what gets reported on. That's yeah. the problem, yeah. isn't it? But the, issue, it? but the issue is you can't... Back then, it's different now, but back then, all the good clubs were in Peckham, Stratford, Hackney, yeah. Tottenham, yeah. Birmingham, mm -hmm. Manchester, Leeds... Um, well, Ilford. grime happened down Hackney Road before it got yeah. gentrified. I mean, it was, it was, you know, <laughs> yeah. you, it was, it wasn't the safest of places to go out. No. But and it was proper underground. A bit, you know. Obviously, I, I think again with the documentary, I think what it highlights, um, which is something I think people who have been on the club scene or worked in the club scene or gone out raving know about, which is that there's a lot less trouble. Well, there was when people were out raving. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. There was less violence. There was less fights. I mean, I came from Essex right. to then into London Clubland, and it was like, why are people? Why are people nice? Why are people hugging? Like right. you said about your nights. And so, even though the myth was that it was dangerous or it was, you know, whatever um, underground, it wasn't. It was counterculture, right. and it scared mm -hmm. people, and it scared the establishment. Yeah. And I think that's that was the big problem. Um, we've got to take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors, but we're here with Terry Turbo Stone, so do stay tuned. And uh, we're going to ask a little bit more about the documentary, so stick with us. Hi, I'm Nick from Tile Yard London. We're a creative community right in the heart of King's Cross. We have over 200 creative companies all operating out of our campus. Nearly 100 music studios with some of the leading names in the industry from Sigala to The Prodigy to Chasing Status to name but a few. We're also home to some of the leading composers from the film and TV world. But aside from that, we've got nearly 200 businesses operating out of our office space as well, all in the creative sectors, from TV, film, music, of course, fashion and creative tech. If you want to find out more, you can either come and see us or check us out online at www.tileyard.co.uk. Are you looking for the best music industry professionals to join your company? Well, why not post your job for free on UK Music Jobs? Simply register and submit your advert and they'll do the rest for you. You can manage all your applicants via their insight tools and the best part is it won't cost you a penny. Additionally, if you represent an artist, you run a music course or you have a music industry event you want people to know about, why not submit the details for inclusion on the magazine? With a marketable database of over 60,000 subscribers and 300,000 unique visits per month, they can really help you find your audience. If you head on over to www.music-jobs.com uk, you can get more information. And we are here with At The Yard with the amazing Terry Stone. And we've been talking loads about your life and your career and promotions and One Nation and your film United Nation, which is out now, um, available on Amazon. Um, and yeah, I mean, what an incredible journey that, that, that documentary was. It really taught me loads about drum and bass because 
because obviously I think I would have been at those raves had I been old enough, but uh, <laughs> I was not. <laughs> in fact, I was born in 88. So right, okay. so you guys were all coming up as I was coming out. That is a good tagline. <laughs> um, so I'd like to talk a bit about, you know, when 80s phased into the 90s in your club nights, because in the documentary you kind of highlighted everyone was having a great time. And then at some point, everything took, a, not a turn, but everything shifted a bit, the energy shifted and suddenly there was kind of more aggression coming into your clubs and it became mm. a little bit more difficult to contain the violence. So what what happened, do you think? I think I think the music changed and I think what happened was a lot of the sort of drum bass artists started sampling uh, reggae artists and that's obviously when the jungle thing started off. Mm. Uh, and, um, and I think, you know, Leah Betts obviously, you know, died on that XC thing and that was all in the press. And I think, um, People then were either scared about taking ecstasy, or you know, if you were, if you went to now, bear in mind, air stuff was multicultural and it was it was a diverse crowd, right? Mm, but yeah. some of these jungle events were there was no white people; it was just black people in a room, and you know, and a lot of them were smoking crack, taking coke, and it was fucking moody. You know, walk in and you'd be like, "Fucking, it's all gonna go off in here." Yeah, mm. and and then mm. what happened was we started getting. Some because, of those people because, because our because our um, uh, our event was um, really popular, and, and we were doing you know and look if you're going out, you want to be surrounded by nice women. You want to have a nice vibe. You don't really. If I was paying twenty pound to go to a rave, I wouldn't want to be in a room surrounded by a lot of people standing there smoking crack, looking at you like I want to kill you. That's not my idea of fun. No, right? no. So 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 we was anti that, but then what happened was it started to creep in. And then I think people then started, especially a lot, a lot of the street people from from these places in Brixton and in Hackney, they started going, right, there's going to be 5,000 people here tonight. We can have an earner. Yeah. So then mm. they were either hanging around the train station as people are coming for train. Because bear in mind, a lot of people used to travel from all over the country. Yeah, so they so, were a bit green when it came so to London. you get off, yeah. get off the train in Brixton and start walking around Brixton. You know where you're going. Uh, and... I'm not now. Now, Brixton's a nice place, right? Mm. But back then, it wasn't, right? Mm. And you would get turned over. Yeah. And Stratford was the same. Yeah. Hackney was the same. Yeah. Tottenham was the same. I mean, when we did our event in Tottenham, literally, the police station was over the road. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and, and I mean, the stuff that went on there, and you just went, what the fuck's going on? Oh, um, I love yeah. that bit. I love that bit in the documentary where you're like, yeah, we tried to get the armed response unit. Oh, yeah. I called him and asked him if I could hire them. I was like, no, because, do you know how the police works? <laughs> no, no, because, because, because I just thought, right, you know, and bear in mind at that point, people were doing drive-by shootings. People yeah. were getting machine gunned to death, right? It wasn't a fucking joke, right? Yeah. And, and, and I was literally like, you know, what, what do we fucking do here? Yeah. And I just thought, you know what? Well, your bouncers aren't, I mean, I know you were using ex-army and things like that, yeah. but they're not, you know, they're not trained armed officers ready yeah, to deal with that, are they? But, but, but the thing is, the, 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 the issue for me was that, you know, um, and this happened at um, the, the Rex in Stratford, this happened at the Iron in Ilford, and some, something happened where somebody had a row with somebody on the door and they said, I'm going to go and get my gun and I'm going to come back and shoot you. And the guy went, go and get your fucking gun then. And he come back and went bang, bang, shot one of the doorman dead oh and shot God. the woman in the Gosh. cash box. That was at the Rex. And then it's, it's, uh, in uh, the island in Ilford, right there, I don't know what it was, I think it might have been Jungle Mania, I can't remember, but there was an event the week before ours. Mm. And what happened was this kid was mugging people. <clears throat> the doorman gave him a smack in the mouth, threw him out. 
And he went, you know, I'm going to come back and get you. And the guy's going, yeah, all right, you know, whatever. And the guy came back with a gun and went, bang, bang, bang. Shot two of the doormen. Because he couldn't get into a club. <laughs> no, no, he was in the club. Oh, he was he in. Was he got in thrown club, out. Mugging oh. people. Oh, oh, I see. And because they they went smack in the mouth, kick him up the ass, fuck off, don't come mm. back. I'm going to shoot you. As soon as he said that, they should have pulled him back in the fucking club. Right? Yeah. When someone says that, you don't let them go because yeah. they might go and get a gun. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. and, and yeah. we, you know, we had the, we had, I mean, I just, so I just finished the story. So he killed one of the guys, shot a couple of them, one of them in the neck, one of them in the arm. We're doing the fucking rave the week after. So I'm like, for fuck's sake. So there's all the murder, can you help signs outside? There's all these ravers queuing <laughs> up. Not the most inviting. And I'm like, can't you just fucking move the signs out of the way or put a, put a sheet over them? Because people, because you're queuing up and you read that and you fucking start. Getting paranoid, yeah. yeah, and um, um, and and you know, I said, you know, anybody fucks about tonight, and they're gonna get it right because we can't allow this to fucking, we can't have anybody getting shot at no, us, no, right? Because yeah. then that's the end of the brand, right? Mm. Yeah. And as you know, that night it's in the documentary. These group of guys started fucking mugging people. We got hold of them, we beat them up, and then we stripped one of them naked because I thought if if you're mugging people, I fucking mug you for your clothes, right? <laughs> And I walked him up on the stage and I said, I said, this is what happens if anybody fucking mugs anybody in this fucking rave. I said, I go and fuck off. And the guys walked, he had to do the walk of shame with no clothes on through the crowd. And everybody, totally naked. And everybody was kicking the fuck out of him, air burning him, kicking him up the arse, punching him. By the time oh we got outside, God. he looked like he needed to go to the fucking hospital, right? But the harmony was, on Monday, his mum and dad come to the club to pick his clothes up. They actually said, oh, you've got, you've got our son's clothes. And we went, yeah, he's fucking mugging people. And they went, oh, no, you know, we don't want, we don't want to press charges. We're fucking press charges against him. Yeah. Right? For fucking yeah. mugging people. Yeah. But yeah. the thing is, that was a message because all them people in that rave, they saw that happen and they went, Think don't, twice fuck, about. don't no, fucking mug people in there because <laughs> that's what happens. And the thing is, all the rabies were having a good time. So it was like they, I, I didn't do any, I literally just took his fucking clothes off, stood him on a stage and said, this is what happens to people with mug people in one nation. I'm going to mug you for your clothes now, fuck off. And then all the ravers beat him up. I didn't yeah. have to do anything. Yeah. But but that that was the message. And then one time when we was at Rex in Stratford, we had a problem with a guy. He come up to the door, started going about shooting people. And we used to have a guy with a Doberman, right? And, and he, he was an ex-army guy and he was licensed to have the dog. Right, and we had him because we was always worried someone was going to pull a gun out. So he started going about shooting people. And a guy said, look, I've got this dog and I will set the dog on you if you don't fucking go. And the guy goes, I'm going to shoot your dog. And he put his hand in the jacket and the dog just fucking done him. I mean, like, ripped oh, really? him to pieces. Oh, wow. And he fa the guy phones the police. Oh, you set a dog on me. Well, that's after you threatened to shoot me and shoot my dog. Yeah. And I warned yeah. you and you, you put your hand in your jacket and I'm not going to wait for you to pull, pull out whatever was in your jacket. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, that that's that was towards the end. But it was a regular occurrence, you know, people yeah. were saying I'm going to And it just, jacket. I mean, it's got to take all of the joy about putting on an event out of it at all. But because if you're yeah. dealing with all of that, like, it's just not fun. It's not fun yeah. for anybody in there. It's not fun for you guys working yeah. it. Uh, not fun for them when you catch them. <laughs> well, no, the thing, well, the thing is, we had three, you know, I, in the last year of putting events on, I had a gun pulled out me three times. That's oh insane. Um, I had to have an armed response escort home one night. And the Milton Keynes event yeah. was one of your last ones, was it? No, it wasn't the last one. It was the catalyst. That was the oh, first time it happened. When you but, went, yeah. enough's enough. But, it, but it's just got to the point where, you know, I would never go out to a club and go, oh, I'll, I'm going to just go and get my gun. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't even enter my mind. Even yeah. if I had a gun, I wouldn't actually think I'm going to go and do no. that. Why are you there? Yeah. Like, that's the yeah. thing, isn't it? It's like, as you were saying, when the music changed and it started to uh, use samples for music that was designed 
maybe possibly to agitate people, wind people up, get people riled up. Well, I think I think I think a few things happened, right? I think obviously as the scene grew, and as this new sort of reggae sort of jungle drum and bass type thing come along. What it did was it attracted more people to the scene, which was a good thing. Mm. But yeah. then a lot of those people weren't used to going out to a club. Yeah, and and yeah. And, and, and you know, there was a lot of territorial <coughs> stuff as well going yeah, on. Wasn't you had it? different yeah. gangs. Yeah, so like north, south, yeah. and, yeah. and you'd have people, you know, be in a club and they'd see someone with a watch or they see someone with some money and they go, well, yeah, over. Yeah. So, so. The, but also the, it ties into what you were saying about the drug culture as well, because there is a you know, and I think the documentary well not glamorizing or glorifying um is saying there was a time where people were going out and they were taking ecstasy early on and there was a vibe in the club yeah, and it was, was love and happiness and all of that yeah. and and i think once it became harder drugs once harder drugs came in which a lot of the time was and actually can i just say alcohol as well alcohol as well is one of the worst for violence i think mm. you know more people have died on alcohol than have done on any other yeah. drug yeah but so i think i think that i think the drugs saying. i think i think the drugs that cause the problem was people were smoking crack mm. um, and, and and taking heroin and all this shit. And obviously if you To go to a if, club? If you're, <laughs> if you're on this shit, right? You're a zombie. Drugs. You're a zombie. You know, you're a zombie Gosh. and, you know, you'd rob your own mum. And I think, you know, I, I don't buy... Respect went out the window. Because there was... A, there was yeah. I think the thing about the illegal raves as well from people that I know that went to them and, you know, again, like your documentary and other films that talk about it, it is about respect. It's about going and having a good time. It's a bit like when you go to Glastonbury. It's got the same sort of, I always ask you on Glastonbury. Always, Glastonbury. Always but no, it is because it's like everybody leaves the attitude at the door. Mm. And I and I thought of it when I was watching your, your film because I thought that's the vibe of One Nation and what yeah. made One Nation so successful. And it is a bit of a twee phrase now everyone uses it, but it was a safe space for people. Yeah. And I think that was important and that was probably a big key to your success. That and the fact that you had all these up and coming amazing DJs and MCs. Mm -hmm. One of the things I wanted to mm -hmm. ask you though when I watched it that occurred to me was... Did you ever think about starting your own record label? Do you know oh, something? That's I didn't. Because that really surprises me. Because I thought you had all of these super talented guys and, and a couple of women, not that many females, right. but there was a couple. And it was like, it would have seemed to me like a natural fit for someone like you. I yeah. think I think the issue was, um, you know, I, I had to give them a magazine up. I had to give flies up and I stopped mm. selling tickets. So as my career as a promoter built, I had to sort of offload some of the stuff because... I don't want to be the jack of all trades, master of none, you know. So for me, I was winning awards for the promotions. You know, we got mm. best promoter for One Nation, best promoter for Garage Nation. I think we had about 10 awards. You know, it was just every year we're winning all these things. The brand's going great. We're touring the world. Everything's fantastic. But I think what happened in the last, probably, I'd say probably, f even though in the when the jungle scene started, there was more trouble up north. And I have to say that... <clears throat> which surprised a me. Lot of, a lot of the shootings and a lot of the problems were up north and it was nothing to do with us it mm. was you know promoters up north it was people in Birmingham and manchester all killing each other so that didn't really affect us and and the problems that we had in london was a couple of muggers and a couple of people threatening to pull guns out but it wasn't really that bad but then i think as you got f further and further down the line i think the respect started to go out the window and then you had these kids that thought that if they do something bad, they get like a stripe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so if they had a gun, even if they weren't going to use it, they would carry it around and say, "Oh yeah, I've got my gun," you know. So, it, it, and and obviously, if you hear that, people don't want to hear that. You don't want to be in a rave when there's people walking around with guns. No, you know no, I mean? yeah, yeah. And, and I just and I just thought to myself, I, anxiety know, and drugs are not a good no. combination. <laughs> to but, be I <laughs> but I could have. I could have set up a record label. Yeah. But I just and you thought, would have been good at it. You would have been really good yeah. at it. I thought, I haven't got time. 
And and the thing is, yeah, and when, it is a, it's a whole separate full time business. I yeah, mean, it wouldn't have been yeah. possible. Well, if you think about it, you know, when but you, you had a built in audience. That was different because you had a loyal fan base at One Nation mm. and everything. So I'm thinking, you know, if you ever do decide, and I know you sort One of One Nation Records. Well, you mentioned yeah. it at the end of the documentary <laughs> that you might come back and do another club night. Or no, no, I've, I'm 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 definitely going to do that. You're going to do it because I you? did because when we did the pre- when we did the premiere um, last week, it was actually quite funny because we had the world premiere. We had a couple of hundred celebrities. We had probably four or five hundred ravers that bought tickets for it. And then we had, you know, uh, a few investors there and everyone from the scene there. Yeah. So it was actually quite funny because you had like, you know, 1,200 people in this venue. And the Troxy's great venue as well. Watching this movie. And then afterwards, we had like an old school rave. So we had like lasers, Nicky Black Market. (laughs) (laughs) You got a taste for it again, Terry, didn't you? (laughs) What was funny was everyone's jumping around and you could see like a few of the ravers were going, it really looks like Kenny Ken over there. <laughs> it really looks like Brocky, you know. Is that is that Shabadan, you know? But they were all there, right? Yeah, so yeah, so yeah. it was oh, it was it was and, and, and they and, and what was beautiful for me was bear in mind when I come out of this rave scene, I cut all contact, didn't go out, it was literally like I'm done now, boys, thanks a lot. Lovely knowing you. Yeah, right? I hung up your so disco boots. Fast, for, fast forward fifteen years and then I'm ringing them up going Hi Andy, how you doing? Um, yeah, I'm good. Tell what's happening. I'm glad you're still on the same number. I'm thinking of making a documentary. We be in it. Yeah, of course, bro. But but what was good was everybody was up for it. Everyone right? was up for it. And I and I did think I'd get. You haven't spoken to me for 15 years. You can get no, but I said to you. I said. To you, but I did say to you, and I think it's a really interesting point. I think there has to be enough time that's passed in order for you to have perspective on it and appreciate it for what it was. Yeah, because when you're in it, you have no so. idea. You don't, I mean, you know it's successful, but you don't know the impact, the lasting yeah. impact. And it's only 10, 15, 20 years later, you go, hold on a minute, I can see these influences everywhere in loads of people's work. Yeah. Um, so we're going to have to wrap up pretty soon because uh, yeah. you've got, you're on your promo tour yes. at the moment. You're doing Q&As and screenings all over the country Which at the moment. Which has been amazing. I mean, they've all sold out. And uh what was lovely was um, when the film was launched on Friday, it went straight to number one. Yeah, um, it's amazing. And it's hugely know, entertaining, though. It, is it really is. It's really entertaining. So it's worth uh, yeah. it's worth watching. Even if you're not into drum and bass, you'll still get a real well, kick was, out of it. That was the yeah. challenge when we made the film. Um, it was four hours long. <laughs> and, um, and, and I yeah, I don't just, know if I'd sat through four hours. But, Terry, I, to be but, honest, but, but, but as you said, I said, look, I said, you know, there's so many good stories in here. How do we cut this down to 90 minutes? And yeah, I couldn't do it. Yeah. It's tough. So we had to bring someone in who's not a raver. And we yeah, said, completely yeah. objective we point of view. We cut this up yeah. so that we've Or you could have done it in two parts. Do part two. Do the sequel. Yeah. Well, we're, we're already doing the Gary's Nation documentary now. Oh, yeah. Oh, so that's going to be the next thing. Um, but because we've got so much footage, we could quite easily put together an eight, ten part series if we wanted to. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the thing is, for us, um, we wanted people to watch. Because it's that thing. If you watch something and it's good. You're going to want to seek go, out the next Actually, thing. we've got... Yeah, a three-hour version of this. You're more likely to say, "Actually, I'll watch it," even if you wouldn't want to sit through a yeah. three-hour thing. Yeah, yeah. So amazing. Um, I've actually, I'm going to bring it back a little bit before before we part ways and say goodbye and let you go off to your screening tonight. Um, if there's, if anyone listening to this is interested in maybe getting into like club promotion or starting out and doing something similar to what to what you sort of built your career on. What advice would you give them? Have you got one nugget of advice? Do you know, do you know what? It's so difficult now. And I've, I've going around the country doing these Q&As, I've talked to a lot of people. Yeah. And a lot of people are saying, and it was funny, like last night when I was, no, not last night, it was on Tuesday when I was in uh, uh, Peckham. Mm. And there was like 100 people in this cinema watching this thing. And I sort of snuck, snuck in at the back for the last bit. And then when 
I'm sort of saying, oh, you know, I might just come back, just one more. Everyone started cheering, go, yeah, come back, one more, yeah. <laughs> and I was just thinking, well, you know, and it's been like that in all of them. And people have said, you know, why don't you do a rave, right? Um, and, you know, I think promoting the rave now is completely different to how it was then. And mm. I think that the challenges are, you haven't got the venues, right? Yeah. So you haven't got an island, you haven't got a, you know, and, and you know, I think, I think that the politics with the DJs, some DJs can only play in London on certain events, some can't play at all. And, you know, if Andy C's sitting out Wembley on his own and making 50 or 100 grand in a Why is he going to do a small Why venue? is he going to do me a favour? I, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd appreciate if he did. Of course. But yeah. I understand. If he just said to me, tell, look, if you can pay me the money, I'll do it. But yeah. if not, and if I was him, I'd be the same. So, yeah. you know, it's not like a... Why, why, why you, you know, it's just how it is. Oh, well, also mm. the mid-level venues that you mm. could definitely sell out or even like bigger than that are owned now by big corporations. So it's not like yeah. it was back in the day well, the either. Other th the other thing is as well, I think when you look at the, the audience now, you know, I, I filmed at One Nation and Gary's Nation mm. for the documentary. So we went, so we had the bit of the new and the bit of the old. Yeah. And what was disappointing from my perspective he's obviously finished at midnight mid, mid, midnight so it's sort of like everyone goes home early so that sort of the raving's not how it was yeah because yeah. things don't shut at midnight but that seems to be people don't want to be out all night so that's one thing that's different so obviously it's a different environment different yeah, yeah 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 but then also day. everyone's on their phones and it's like you know <laughs> well that was a really good point in the documentary point. as well yeah. wasn't it you're all on your phones you're all filming shit you're all talking to your mates or snapchatting or whatever it is people do yeah Instagram, and you're not yeah. in the didn't even have a mobile phone the first time i went to a club but look <laughs> i didn't have if, one <laughs> if, if, if i had a, if, if if everybody in the 80s had had mobile phones right they were such a good time they loved the djs they loved the mcs they loved just being lost in that seven eight hours right mm. yeah. the last thing they'd be thinking of oh, i'm just film this yeah people mm. just been not interested fuck the phone but the issue is now because people that they're not present and the problem i think the reason why social media is causing mental health issues is because people are looking at it like you said earlier it's all bullshit right mm. nobody has a perfect life no everyone has shit yeah everyone has a fat day everyone has a skinny day everyone has an ugly day <laughs> everyone everyone feels depressed yeah, right? yeah. but if, every time you see someone oh i've got a new pair of Louis Vuitton shoes i've got a new watch i've got a new thing i'm yeah. doing this i'm doing that i'm on holiday again if you're not that person and you know if you're 13 14 years of age and you're seeing that and you're thinking oh, I'm, I'm a failure you, you know being a kid you you want to do well and you think oh, i can't have that i'm a failure then mm. people start digging you out and trolling you online mm. but that's why people are doing mad shit like harming themselves and yeah and because they're taking on board what these mugs and that's all they are mugs on the internet and i get it all the time people sending messages i don't even respond to them because there's an old saying don't feed the trolls." well that's it isn't it don't <laughs> feed the trolls. So no true. it's true but they, are. they want attention you give them attention they're just going to come back just, for more it's just some some wally in the, his mum's bedroom yeah on his computer just he's yeah. got nothing better to do than just do that all day. exactly yeah. and and but the issue is the kids that's why i think a lot of them are having problems and also if if every time your phone buzzes or rings, you're like, oh, what is it? Yeah, it, it, you're not it, you're not in the moment. No, well, I mean, it's like anything. A gig, yeah. Any kind of gig now or club night you go to, if you're watching a band, for example, you're watching them through someone's phone. You right. are watching them through someone's screen. You can't unless you're right at the front. You can't see anything. You know, well, somebody, somebody, it does take away something. Not to sound like an old fart. But, some, somebody said <laughs> you know. one of the Q and A's. I know. Why don't um, uh, why don't you do a rave and then. Have no mobile phones, and I said, "Well, that's a great idea," but I said, "If you've got to check people's mobile phones in, most people's mobile phones are eight hundred pounds, fifteen hundred pounds, mm. right?" And I said, "Would you really 
pay someone a pound and trust someone with your daughter. Well, Madonna, yeah. Madonna did it. insurance <laughs> on that. Ooh, Ma yeah. Madonna did it. Madonna she banned, because you know she did the Palladium recently, yeah. where the tickets were like, the cheapest was a grand. Yeah, um, she had these lock bags, and so you gave your phone in, and it locked it. And you couldn't unlock the bag. But that's not a rave. I mean, no, a no, I know. Scenario like, but I it's trust like Madonna's ushers with my phone. Oh yeah, <laughs> but like if it's a and club, if you're paying a grand, right? You're like that's you, safe. You, you're probably in that zone. You could probably buy a new phone if you lose. Yeah, whereas, whereas <laughs> probably affords to buy a new phone. But but, I, I, but you know, but I, no, it does work because Kendrick Lamar introduced it in the, in America right. as well where you have lockers at big like obviously he's selling out stadiums but you have right. lockers you put the phone in the bag the bag locks you put it in a locker that locks as well then you have a key or a ticket or whatever yeah. and you get your phone on the way out I mean it's not a bad idea if you want to if you want to I don't know get people to really sort of be in the moment yeah. which is one that is the thing Why about raving off of them? you know you even right. if you were up off your edge you were in the moment yeah. you know but i think that's the so so i'm definitely going to do another rave 100 percent. good yes. but the issue is um i'm not just going to do it for the sake of doing it no it's got to be right yeah and, and the yeah. thing is at the bottom line if i come back and go right i'm putting a rave on if it's not bang on people are going to go, oh what's happened to him yeah so yeah. i'm only going to do it yeah and I, you haven't got to, the need to you need to find i need to find the right venue yeah mm -hmm. i need to work out you know whether there's no phones or whether there is a few phones i need to see what DJs i can get um because the, the issue is back in the day whether it was gary's nation whether it was one nation whether it was dreamscape we always had the best lineups yeah so yeah now if i yeah. can't get the if you can't get the right yeah. djs then it's not right? going to be worth it either like, well, you know you can't ask people to pay 20 pounds yeah unless you're giving them that experience and the, the, you know, people said to me, you know, the politics in this now, you just want to kill everybody. They said you would absolutely, you just go fuck this and walk away. Yeah. Because, yeah. because you know, I'm I'm one of those people who I've always been fair. I've always paid people. I've always been reasonable. But as soon as I think people are taking a piss, then I just won't work with them. And I think that's the issue with um, a lot of these DJs now because they have become superstars and they've got managers and they've got agents. Yeah, there's more people involved in the decision companies. making. You know, yeah. It's, yeah. it's not a case of you ring him and say, I'll oh, do me a favour. It's like, well, hang on a minute, I've got a bit of management, my major, the record label, this to that. And then you've got to go through like a, a committee yeah. Yeah. before they can say yes. And you think, well, it doesn't sound like you're up for that. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind doing it. No, but it's it, the but process it's, is a long process, isn't it? Much more longer and, than it was. And, 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 you know, look, what I'm doing at the moment in the film and the acting world. Yeah, it's going well. You know, I'm so. cracking on. So yeah. I don't need to do this. Yeah. Right? Well, so I mean, but I get to go to my first One Nation rave. Yeah, that's true. But I think if the DJs. Come, come around and went. Look, if you want to come back, we'll, we'll do, do it one, as well. Yeah, then that's definitely something. Well, you managed there. to get like thirty odd of them for the documentary, so I'm yeah. sure you'll manage it. Something the, to look out for. We huh? have to say that, like, as you say, the stuff you're putting out, the documentary is fantastic, and yes. we are highly recommend it. Even if you're not into drum and bass, you'll still really enjoy it. Yes. It's called United Nation: Three mm. Decades of Drum and Bass, and it's on Amazon and other streaming. And iTunes. And iTunes. And iTunes. You can download and it. Sky. And, and, and Sky. Sky. Oh, there you go. It's everywhere. Hey. It's everywhere. So yeah. you have no excuses. It's not on Netflix yet, but I think it will be. It will oh. be. I think it should be. It yeah. definitely needs to be seen by as many people as possible. Yeah. Um, Terry, thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me on. Cheers, mate. Good Thank to meet you. you. Cheers. Bye. The world's greatest, the best of the best The cream of the crop can learn the best Tips from the top and when you're done Come join the family Come join the team Come join the family It's music, jobs and it's TV